Phenomenal People, and welcome to our third installment of Phenomenal People with Destin Richardson. The voice you are hearing is that of Destin Richardson, your host. Um, if you are back after the first two episodes, thank you for your awful taste. I am uh, very honored to be back with two uh, very funny people, very, uh, very good friends of mine. Uh, we have Nick Glasser and Shana Rabani. Nick Glasser, for those of you who don't know, he runs... Columbus's premier comedy open mic at Shrunken Heads on Monday. Uh, he's also the co-host of New Metal Who Dis podcast with fellow Columbus comedian Dustin Meadows. Uh, he is a avid blueberry enthusiast. Mm. Blue, I hate oxidants. Blueberry, Honestly, yes. I'll say, yeah, the down, all, all, all oxidants are bad. But uh, then also Shana Rabani over here, uh, she runs uh, Monday Night Open Mic at Juniors. Uh, she also has a podcast currently called Crafting a Comedian, uh, but the name is sort of up in the air uh, as of right now. Uh, she's taking a step back, reevaluating the podcast, and I mean, hopefully her life too. Uh, we should all do that, always work on ourselves. She's crafting herself right now. Um, but anyway, thank you for, for being on the podcast. Thank uh, you, Destin. Yeah. And um, thank you for having us. Yeah. Uh, I say, don't mention it. Thank you for actually messaging me back. Shana, you are one of the only women in history that have done so. <laughs> um, so, uh, before we really kind of get into it here, also want to take a quick moment to give a, a little shout out to my chow kitchen, uh, for once again, giving a fantastic, uh, phenomenal pho. It's pretty good pho. Uh, it, yes, it's it's pretty fucking good. And uh, I was uh, I was informed yesterday uh, that I kind of dropped the ball with uh, with the Davy episode on making the pho jokes. So they will be back in uh, full force. Full <laughs> force. Yeah, that one was a fail. But um, what a farce. <laughs> I'll say my pun jokes, they are, many call them a work of art, I call them a work of fart. Alright, um, just so I, just so you guys actually still pay attention, let's go ahead and turn it over to the guest here. Uh, so Nick, how long have you been doing, uh, comedy? I've been doing stand-up comedy for nine years as of April 26th. Wow. So, like, nine years and a month or so. Okay, okay. And Shana, uh, same question. I have been doing stand-up comedy for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. But I don't know my exact date. Oh, man. Uh-oh. Actually, technically, now that I think about it, though, like, I've been doing stand-up comedy for eight and three-quarters years and then been on a break for, like, a couple of months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but who's counting? I get, I, you know what? I'm doing sit-down comedy right now. Yes. <laughs> To tech, I'll say, yeah, technically, um, if you want to observe breaks, I mean, I've only really been doing it for about a year and a half. Um, I took a half a half a year off. No, well, if you don't observe breaks, I've done it for twelve years. Oh wow! I did it once two years before I started. Mine, uh, I mean, if we're not observing breaks, mine's only just like two and one quarter. Right. But if we're not observing any breaks, I've been doing comedy for like. 
it's 75 hours something maybe like that like 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 not a not that much time that i've been doing stand-up comedy like yeah. five minutes at a time for most of the beginning and then you know like right at most an hour at a time ever right um uh, if we're not observing breaks i've been doing it for almost 27 years now i mean right right out of the gate uh <laughs> just been dropping gold like i came out of there and i'm like Holy, holy shit, someone didn't pay the AC in there. It is hot as balls in there. Um, I don't know why so I brought that up. You didn't, you didn't need that. Are. Yeah, you didn't need that. You came out of the womb like, it's also, is this thing on? I don't get the I don't get the saying hot as balls either. Like, have you seen balls? Like, they're they're not attractive. They're... Well, you can't see how hot balls are, though. You have to, like... like, like Just in a, in a You vacuous... either have to own the balls or cup the balls to appreciate the heat of the balls. Unless they're really sweaty and you can, like, see the sweat. You can smell the heat sometimes. Oh, yeah. man. You guys, that's gross. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just meant, like, hot in a vacuous uh, appearance uh, way, not in actual temperature and smell. Balls. Yeah, yeah. Th- that joke was nuts. I don't know why I brought it up. Would you do that? <laughs> uh, I, I, we really are making up for the puns already. Wow, <laughs> this is, this is uh, quite the pun-ish mint. But, um, so anyway, you guys, uh, you know, you both host open mics as, uh, said in the intro there on, uh, Mondays, actually, we have, uh, the Monday night war right here in my living room. Oh my goodness. We do. Civil war. <laughs> the real Monday night raw. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. am I allowed to ask a question? Yeah, sure. Nick, when did you start hosting an open mic? Like how far into comedy were you? I, uh, March of 2012. I believe is when I first took over the the shortcut head off of Adrian, who had it from uh, uh, Wonder Dog before that. Wonder Dog started it off. Oh, it's been there for a long time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a, a Corey Baxter had a Monday night at Bernie's that was around uh, uh, before then, and that was the the only other Monday night room that I was aware of. I think maybe there may have been. I mean, I, there's been comedy before I was doing it. I'm sure there was stuff sure. then, but. But yeah, like there, it was a, it was a bit, there was a gap, uh, not in the night, but it was there was just room to have uh, people wanted a place to go, and it, and it, and Shrugan had you ended up be in the right place. Let's say for those that haven't went, uh, let's say it's it's got like a nice kind of like I mean it's like a, a rock bar, um, but it's got a nice open stage, big like just big room in general. Um, and then there's uh, there's juniors, which is uh, side room, not as big of a stage. Uh, actually, they have a stage stage. I think it's just the same level. But amazing food though. Uh, yes. Give a shout out to juniors. The excellent tacos that I had. I think that's all I've had. Amazing tacos. tacos. Yes. Yeah. Good good authentic ones too. None of that none of that Taco Bell, you know, Northern California stuff. We're talking like good authentic. We got some serious Al Pastor there. Yes. Yeah, they do. Yes. I'm really I, I I'm so mad at myself for going so long in life without having Al Pastor. Like, I had Al Pastor for the first time, I think, like, last year. You know what? Me too. Yeah, it is. It's underrated. It's not there, underrated. There was definitely but... a moment where, like, I don't know if America at large, but at least, like, like central Ohio society started, like, becoming aware of Al Pastor. It was, like, a thing. Yeah. But it was it was it was earlier than, than last year, so I mean, like, it was a. We were kind of late. 
There's a place mm-hmm. called uh, Los Guachos. Oh it, if you haven't been, you have to go. It's 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 amazing. Los Tiger. Guachos is yeah. so authentic, and I can attest to that. It also, is so young. Uh, apropos of almost nothing, but since we're on a pho podcast and I'm mm. rec- you know, recommending rec- restaurants, may I, may I say where to get the best pho in Columbus? Yes, please Am do. Am I allowed to? Yes, please right. do. It's the Indochine Cafe on Hamilton. Indochine Cafe. You heard it here, folks. You're you not going to get anything better. Get the Fudak Biet. It's the special pho with it's got the the the, the beefs and the meatballs and the tripe and it comes Ooh. with like all, oh it's 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 phenomenal. The holy trinity of, of yeah, pho. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they have the, the the spring rolls and everything. I highly recommend the place, but they don't pay me anything. I just uh I'm a legit Le- fan of legitimate that. Fan, yes. that. That's what got me into fun. In the fun, in which the first, is which in is the better first than a sponsor. Place. Which is better than a true sponsor. That it's from the heart. There's no. I agree. Yeah. No fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they'll be listening, and then they'll sponsor your life. Yeah, maybe they'll sponsor me <laughs> to and have a the competing... podcast. Sponsor the podcast. I was gonna say maybe they they sponsor me to have a competing fuh podcast. Ooh. Destin's I'm sweating. sweating. Water. I'm so, uh, well, I'm, I'm sweating <laughs> Is just because. Well, I'm sweating. I'm uh, very hairy and fat, so like <laughs> I, I sweat naturally. Stop. Like I sweat coming out of the shower. <laughs> Me and my small athletic frame never sweat, though. <laughs> yeah. Some people are born with it. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's genetics. Maybe it's Maybelline. But i say any, uh, you, you have any, uh, recommendations, uh, since we're shouting out Columbus places here besides Los Guachos and, uh, Indochina? Um, as far as restaurants go, Ohio Pokey is really yum. Maybe it's called Ohio Pokey. Maybe it's called High Poke. It's, it's <laughs> really yummy. But it is, it is a Poke Bowl. Yes. Yes. It's good though. Um, Brassica's yum. Columbus has good food. Columbus, Columbus is a good, good food city. It does. I will say, I'm not disappointed in their variety of food. We have uh, Columbus style pizza. Is a thing that exists. Oh. Yeah. What does that mean? It just means square cut pizza. Oh. It's 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 a very much an upgrade of like high school cafeteria pizza. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the kind of pizza that you would get if you had like a family. which is a high bar, very high bar, right? Yeah. Um, I would say, me personally, I'm a huge fan of like Ohio Valley style pizza. Um, there's there's a place in Columbus that actually does it. However, I will I will not to throw them under the bus, but it's just it's nowhere near as good as uh, when you have it in like the Wheeling, West Virginia. Southeastern Ohio area. My my wife is from the Ohio Valley, so like Steubenville oh. style pizza. And like, uh, I'll say uh, Gianna Morse. Um, not familiar with that. There there is a there, DiCarlo's in Columbus that does. That's work. where I was talking about. Yeah, but uh, it, there is a very noticeable difference in quality. I I feel. You're right. It's not the same as stuff that's straight fresh from the Ohio Valley. Right. It's because it's it's a very weird way to do pizza. It, it is, and I I love it. It. Like when I tell people about how it's done, it like they look at you like you have five heads. Um, it's yeah, I mean it, it's and if and if you're from there, if you're in, if you're immersed in that life, like my, my, my wife coming up, that just was pizza to her. Yeah, was you know, like a baked crust with the hot sauce and then the cheese and pepperoni put on after the fact. Yeah, and they'll just like sort of melt a little bit on the way to your house. 
It's See? weird it, it's as great. shit. It's great. It doesn't sound good. I will grant you. Shayna's making a face <laughs> yeah. that probably a lot of you at home are making now too. Like it, yeah. it sounds weird, and it is weird. I have to admit, it's good pizza. Though. Yes, like it, it's it, it's got a it's got a great crunch to the crust that yes. ma- that, that that actually does match well with the parboiled cheese. Like, like yeah, half, like, I, I like to call it medium it. rare cheese. Medium, <laughs> medium rare, rare cheese. <laughs> Uh, it provides for it, it's it's a, a good looking pizza too. Once you do get it again, yeah. like just kind of melted. Um, the cheese is like technically me- like you can still see the shape of the cheese like before it was melted. But, it's just but like, I love the mind frame behind why they did it is because it is pizza for the impatient because you can eat it very quick, very hot. One, you get a good contrast. You actually get like a, a contrast of temperature in your mouth, which is something that like you know we kind of overlook uh in food as like a a great thing but also you don't burn your mouth you do not burn the top of your mouth with molten hot cheese that's been baking for 10 minutes ain't wrong yeah uh plus like the pepperoni it doesn't uh you know it still holds a good bit of its grease so it's not a like you actually get all that greasy flavorful goodness in your mouth none of it ends up on the plate um yeah i can't say enough for the weirdest form of pizza preparation in America. I don't I don't even think that's an exaggeration at all. It might no. be the weirdest kind of pizza in America. Yeah. Um cuz I at least among ones that are actually like culturally have a, have a, a ground hold in some part of the world. Yes. Um I was I'll say cuz uh yeah, I grew I, I have family in Cambridge, Ohio, which is like kind of the very like far farthest reach of what you would kind of consider Ohio Valley. Mm-hmm. Because uh, after that you hit Zanesville and that's barely Ohio Valley at that point. That's like the that's like right where like Central Ohio and Ohio Valley would meet, um, and like so that's a pizza I grew up on. Like my uncle would have it at parties all the time, and I just I grew up, grew up on it that way. Um, it, the styles bled over into Pittsburgh too, though there are places now. There's a place in Pittsburgh I saw a photo on I think Google that they didn't even like. They would, uh, if you ate it there, like if you actually got a pizza and ate it in like their dining room, they would put the cheese on table side. Like you had table side <laughs> cheese, so therefore it didn't melt at all. You were getting cold, shredded provolone mozzarella. Wow. That one, even even for me uh, as a fan of it, I saw it. I'm just like, I know I like it, but just the the I'm just looking at it and like I'm not agreeing. Like yeah. just seeing it's making me angry, but I'm sure I would like at, it once I put best, it in my mouth. It's a waste of cheese, right? There's no way that it all gets on the slice. No. This may be an unpopular opinion, but I feel like when cheese is very, very melted, it almost has like a very processed, like, taste, like, feeling. So it might actually be good to have cheese more, like, in its natural state. Uh, than that's, yes. that's what certain processed, I mean, that's not all of what processed cheese is, but one of the things they'll do to it is <laughs> melt it and then reconstitute it into whatever shape they want. Plus, also, the the, the closest to, like, cold cheese you have, the more of that cheese's true taste you get. Because, like, cold Swiss versus melted Swiss, like, almost night and day difference in taste. Because you, oh, when you eat, like, like cheese tray Swiss, I mean, it's it's dank, it's... It's got that, that like, it, it, it tastes like an old gym bag, but, like, in the best way possible. Yeah, like, that with, like, a nice, like, a sharp provolone. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, the stinky hard cheeses. Oh, yeah. With some good old, like, like olives. It's, it, I mean, it, it tastes. Yeah. But, yeah, then when you melt it, it loses, like, half of its identity, I feel. So, yeah. yeah I mean, I, a big part of what Swiss is is the holes. When you melt yeah, them, yeah. the holes go away. Exactly. But, I mean, it's, it's also, it's, 
I, it is so weird how there are like certain things in this universe food wise that like seem like long lost soulmates that we finally introduced. I mean, peanut butter jelly, chocolate peanut butter, um, you know, Thousand Island, uh, sauerkraut, Swiss, and you know, pastrami corned beef. Like all four of those, you would like think on paper like so vastly different, but they all come together and they make one of the most perfect sandwiches from a food science perspective there is. Uh, Ham and Swiss. Like, uh, a savory person's peanut butter and jelly, I feel. Like, that's, like, it, so like me, personally, my favorite sandwich on this planet is the cu- the Cubano, which is just the highest evolution of ham and Swiss. Uh, the Cuban sandwich is a, a, a mixing of flavors that I, I don't think ever had to, had to be figured out. Just somebody kind of stumbled upon it. It was lucky enough to, to, to realize yeah. that they, they worked. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's very simple. I mean, when one of the, like, there are a lot of places they'll get a Cubano and, like, they'll, like, try and, like, bougie it up with, like, some, like, fancy stone ground mustard or, like, beer mustard. The best is always that neon yellow cheap-ass yeah. mustard. It, it works the best. Frenches. Frenches, yep. Yeah. Frenches, Heinz, a close second, but. I did always wonder how, like, who came up with peanut butter and jelly? Like, how did they know that these were going to be just, like, a match made in heaven? It's so weird. Yeah, it was George Washington Carver, right? Well, I mean, he came up with peanut, butter. peanut I butter. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, if he oh like who mixed them together? Like who? Who chose that? Who yeah, like who chose that know. ketchup and mustard go on a hot dog? Like who? I don't know. Like who picked that? Why isn't it yeah. like peanut butter and yeah, hot sauce? I don't yeah, know. Uh, I mean, t- spoken from uh, not to not to brag, but this is also the highest achievement of my life. So I'm going to brag for a second. I do have my own hot dog on a local establishment here. Uh, it's on the menu, yes. What? The Destiny? Uh, well, the they're all named after songs, so no, it's the Please Mr. Postman, because I used to deliver mail to the place. Alright. Um, I would, like, call it in. I'd call in my order, and it's it's Newark, Ohio's version of Dirty Franks, which uh, Columbus people are all very familiar right. with Dirty Franks. Um, so it's just, like, our version of it. So it's a hot dog place where you can just get tons of types of hot dogs, yes. whatever you want on there. Yeah. So um, what is your hot dog? Mine, it's actually, if we're going to compare it to um, Dirty Frank's, it's the, it's their, it's the the Frank's and Sammy's version of uh, Puff the Magic Dragon. Uh, or I, Puff the Magic Popper, sorry, Puff the Magic Popper. You're going to have to describe it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I... <laughs> it, it, is, uh, it is jalapenos, cream yeah. cheese, and strawberry jelly. On a hot dog. Interesting. Well, the I'm strawberry not... jelly, it was me. I was kind of ripping off Arby's because they have the Bronco Berry sauce that you dip their jalapeno poppers in. And they had strawberry right. jelly on the menu. Yes. So I'm like, hey, throw it on there. And it is fantastic. Also, I will happily say, uh, hot take here, it is way better than Dirty Frank's version. However, I've had fantastic hot dogs from Dirty Frank's. I just, I like the Please Mr. Postman better than I like the Puff, the Magic Popper. I mean, I can't comment on the direct comparison there, but that sounds like a delicious hot dog. It is fantastic. It, I mean, if, if anything, maybe the hot dog is out of place there. The rest of it doesn't <laughs> work right. together, though. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, they use, like, pickled jalapenos at Frank's Sammy's, and I, I don't I don't like the Dirty Frank's had the, uh, has, like, raw jalapeno on it. Yeah. I'm, like I mean, I'm, I'm a jalapeno fan, but I mean, not, I not too, a lot of people are spice heads, so... See, I, I'm, I pref- I'm a fan, but, like, pickled is in my opinion, just better than raw. I prefer raw because of the crunch. Just like that, like, fresh. They're just different flavors. Yeah, they're different, depending on, sure. Um, Have you ever had a D. Snyder burger? Or do you know what a D. Snyder burger is? 
Uh, I have not heard of it, no. There's a food truck in L.A. called Grill em All, and they have a burger named after D. Snyder that apparently like he would come up and order from them on a regular basis, and now it's a regular menu item. Mm-hmm. And it is a, it is a double cheeseburger with uh, bacon, mustard, sriracha, peanut butter jelly on a bun. Mm. And I made that for myself after hearing about it, and it is absolutely incredible. Really? There's something about the magic of the way that peanut butter and jelly go together and the magic of the like the, the burger and bacon together that like the two the two merged concepts merge into like a super concept now. Like it, it's Yeah. I don't know if it's better than a normal burger, but it it's so much better than it sounds. It, it was just mind blowing the way these flavors really do work together. I, I you, you had me up until like mustard mustard and peanut butter for me that just sounds like it doesn't go but the mustard's probably the most eliminatable part of the decent okay burger. okay that's good I'd say other than that I would absolutely try that yeah wait um, so now that's a new goal of mine to like order something at a restaurant so where, much they name where they you? think like yeah. wow we need this on the menu what would the Shana Rabani mean Oh, man. I should, should, I, should I not use your whole name in the podcast? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't even think that. Uh, no, it's fine. Um, broccoli Rabani. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to get some Broccoli Rabani on there. <laughs> wouldn't, do the, wouldn't do pork, though. Uh, yeah. I mean, because then, I mean, there's the, the roast pork sandwich in Philly that's apparently uh, becoming the official sandwich over the Philly cheesesteak. Really? Mm, yeah, there's a, a place in the, I forget what the market there is, but um, it's it's roast pork loin, but it, I mean it looks much like a shaved uh, ribeye steak for Phillies. I uh, too enjoy Kyle Kinane's comedy. <laughs> yeah, it, um, I, I I saw the place. I just didn't go because I, I I hate all things broccoli. So like broccoli rob, which apparently is even more like bitter and yeah, like it's more like hardcore broccoli or kind of broccoli so yeah like in my absolute ways. nightmare um but yeah they put that on there and then like with swiss cheese and uh uh roast pork i don't even think they put like a mayo or any sauce on it i think it's just those three things but apparently it is uh it really is yummy very good yes so well we we have uh spent 20 minutes talking about food <laughs> Um, I can finish the podcast. Now, now I'm now I'm thinking like fuck. Uh, what am I gonna say with like uh, my chefs and restaurateurs that I have lined up? Um, yeah. I guess I'll talk comedy with them. No. Uh, <laughs> Twenty minutes of comedy with chefs. That would be that would be great. <laughs> um. Anyway, so speaking of the of the comedy side of things, so uh, so like one thing I love uh, knowing is backstories, especially when it when it comes to the very thankless. Uh, pursuit of comedy the very lonely career of it I always want to know like why somebody would like dedicate themselves to it um Shana well thanks yes yeah for asking that question yes uh, I would say it's and for doing comedy well thank you thank you or well what what I consider comedy uh what many people consider uh just mindless rambling that with attempts of punchlines but uh anyway Shana why why did you choose comedy so, I have a very... Okay, so, um, I actually started out... Maybe I should have asked... That's an amazing omen. Maybe, maybe I should have asked Nick Maybe I should have asked Nick first. God is a Nick Glasser Why fan. did you defy God to choose comedy? 
You were oh, supposed man. to be a lawyer. <laughs> you shouldn't have. No. Um, <laughs> I, I think I've, we've discussed this, but I, I actually made a parody to a song. It was a 21 Savage song. A lot was the song. Yeah. I wrote a Jewish parody to it. Nice. And I really wanted to take that somewhere. Like, who can hear this? And I met somebody who ran an open mic. And he was like, come to the mic and try it out there. It's comedy. Like, you know, you can at least it's a com- it's a com- it's a com- comedic song. You could try it out. And so I went up there and I rapped the song. And when I got off stage, I had someone come up to me afterwards and say, never rap again. <laughs> but then he said the concept of the song was really funny. And um, the, the guy was like, you know, you should consider stand up comedy. And then I, I never thought about it ever. But later that night, that feeling of being on stage and watching people laugh, even if they were like laughing at me, it felt like, hey, like that was a really cool feeling. And so then I tried it again and I loved it. Like I was just hooked. And then I realized this is a great way to like work through a lot of things in your life to get frustration out and to get like, it's a very, it's, a, it's an outlet. It's like an artistic outlet. And I just fell in love with it. Oh, awesome. Uh, oh, I was saying, you actually uh, come to us from California. Yeah, so I've been living in Cal- I was living in California. So the real question everyone wants to know is, why the fuck Ohio? <laughs> For the fuck, of course. Of no, course. no, 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 not at all. Um, I actually came to Columbus to visit, which is where we're coming from, is Columbus, Ohio. And in that like time that I was here, I realized... So in Los Angeles, when you're doing open mics, you kind of notice... There's a lot of people. Open mics are very mm-hmm. hard. Like there, you have to in like. LA? No. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, like it's there's a lot of mics and a lot of like ability. Like there's a lot of opportunities to get on stage, but you have to sometimes wait in long long lines. You're you're putting your name in buckets. Yeah. You're waiting around for hours, maybe not getting chosen. You're paying for them. You're paying for parking. You're sitting in traffic to get to all of them. And in Columbus, most of them are like walking distance. You can like walk to all of them. You can get to every single one of them. You can get to multiple a night. And for me, like I started to have success here, like in that in those few weeks that I was here. And so now I'm, I'm still here. Yeah. And this is home right now. And Columbus is happy to have you. Thank you so much. And as am I. Um, Thanks, Nick, uh, Nick, so what, I mean, if you can think back to... 12 years ago. Um, so what, what was the fire under your bum to get you out to your first mic? I've, I've, uh, well, I, I, I told uh, Shane on the way up here, and I've said this on a number of podcasts, so I'll do a quick truncated version of it, but my name is almost exactly the same as another famous comedian, Nikki Glazer. Uh, so because of that, I met her on Facebook before she was famous, because it was just a novelty, and there was 40 people on Facebook. Right. So... Uh, that happening and then me watching her actually get on TV and go do some stuff and then you know she went on and did that that that, that was the kind of thing that specifically made comedy go from a thing that I enjoy other people doing to a, oh here's a something that I might do myself yeah uh, so I did it once in Pittsburgh uh, my fir- first time performing was opening for Nikki Glaser my very first time wow. on stage it did not go well but it was but 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 there was it was fun and like my, my family had never heard me swear before so I got laughs out of that yeah fun <laughs> uh, you probably should have done more jokes about enjoying anal 
that might be where you messed up. That's probably what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I had the wrong, yeah. <laughs> but then you, yeah, you didn't want to take her act at the time, so. But no, I mean, I, I came back to Columbus and I went on stage and uh, my family wasn't there and nobody laughed. And <laughs> that really discouraged me, actually. And I took 18 months off. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. But then uh, at the end of that, uh, well, before the end of that, but at some point in there is when I became a stay-at-home dad. I, you know, I had my first, you know, my, 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 my wife and I, we had our first child. I went and did the stay-at-home dad thing. There was a nine-month period where I was just staying at home, much like everybody is now, just staying at home, not talking to anybody. Right. Uh, and at the end of that, I just had gone, there was, I, I wanted to talk to as many people as I could at once. And that's what really put the impetus for me to get off my ass and go start just doing it. That's like the the thing about comedy anymore is that it, it's, it's not really about, you know, do you have the, have you put in the work to understand the craft? Are you an artist? Do you have the fire in your belly? Are you gonna be famous? Do you have the money? Do you have the clout? Do you have the physical ability? All these things that people talk about uh, do matter once you're in the game. But at the beginning mm -hmm. of stand-up, none of them mean shit. It's just a matter of are you going to get up off your ass and go do it or not. And, yeah. and, and, and if you are, then you're a comedian to, to, uh, this, to, a, to a, a significant extent. Yes. Okay. And I think I don't think enough people realize or like talk about that side of it. Where like the first couple of times I went on stage and most comedians that I know, no one laughs. Like you don't know what you're doing up there and it's very discouraging to get off stage and just feel like, "Wow, that was horrible." Mm -hmm. But it's mm -hmm. the getting back up there. It's the going out, getting like, you know, horrible like no laughs and then going back the next day and then going back, same thing, like getting beat up and coming back. Like yeah. And I think it's sticking through that that makes us comedians. Yeah. It, there's, it's, there's a very, there's a moment after the first time, all the first times, especially after the very first time that you go on stage where you get off and it just, it wasn't funny. Like even, <laughs> even if you did well because you're popular and personable and have experience sure. on stage, you still weren't the best version of you. No. There. Like you, it, it really was not great. But if after that moment you get off stage and you're just still processing how it went, that's a great opportunity for somebody, you know, punch on the shoulder, hey, good job, buckaroo kind of thing. And I, I, try to, I try to be encouraging to people, especially right after they've gone off stage doing comedy for their first time, because uh, it, it's, I mean, it's something that meant a lot to me when I had that that's first and second time on stage. Uh, I'm sure I've had thousands of people congratulate me on sets sure. in one context or another, mm -hmm. but it was those first two that really stick out in my mind yeah. of th this means something to somebody else and that means something to me. Yeah. Um, it's funny you bring up the, um, like the first times of everything. Now this is a story that I have personally told Nick, um, but it's a fun one for just about everyone else. Um, I had been doing stand-up for about a year and but not not like not every night you know not consistently i mean i do like one gig a week anywhere i could but um it was the first time i went to shrunken head i was like just about to a year and it was a very big very crowded uh mic and i had my uh girlfriend at the time with me and she, we had my parents watching uh her son 
So it was getting really late, plus I had to drive back here to Newark. And so I go up to Nick, my first time meeting him, and I, I say, hey, uh, this is my first time here. I didn't realize, um, you know, it was this bag. I, I have a long drive ahead. We have babysitter. Anyway, I can get bumped up a little bit. Now, Nick heard that my, my first time here, as this is my first time doing stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. So, he goes up there. He gives me an amazing introduction. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, it was, it was like... Pulitzer Prize winning uh, introduction. It's probably my stock new guy introduction. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, probably. But at the time, I'm like, holy shit, no one's ever given me this much hype up before. And all he's driving home is the idea of he's never done this before, so... Sure. And, I, I, like, my first thing I was going to talk about was about my, at the time, best like nightmare gig I'd ever had. <laughs> So immediately, I'm so sunk right away. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. Now, he gave me that great introduction. And, and rule number one, rule number one is you don't make an enemy of the MC. Um, so I'm like, I'm not going to go up there and be like, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I'm a fucking like year-long uh, veteran of this. No, I wasn't going to do that. So I'm like, as I'm walking up there and I'm like shaking his hand, I'm just trying to think of like, okay what can I throw in for the first two and a half minutes? And I, I couldn't, if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't remember what I said. And it was, it was awful. I was like, no one was paying attention. I finally do my closing joke early. And, uh, I got like, I think like I got one good laugh out of it and I ran out of there. Um, the crowd wasn't extra nice to you or anything. No, they weren't. Uh, I despite, despite Nick's, you know, uh, pleading with them. They can tell that you had lied to me. Yeah, you were actually a, a well-established comedian. Exactly, and they knew that you had pulled the wool over my eyes, and they were defending me. They graciously. were. I'll, I'll say they. I yeah. I, I should have known better than to step on the glass or army. <laughs> like, I know. I have a better chance. With, I have a better chance with the kiss army than I would the glass or army. <laughs> I noticed early on that if you say you guys be nice to me, this is my first time. They laugh and they're really nice to you. I probably said that like the first five times that I went <laughs> up. I would tell the MC like, "Hey, this is my first time," and they would say it. I kind of want to like. It occurred to me at some point that there's there is no government oversight whatsoever for the things that you put in your intro. It could be your first time every time for sixty years in a row. Yeah. Yes. Nobody's ever going to sue you over that. <laughs> right. You could be a headliner. Like yeah. this is your first time ever being on stage. Alternatively, <laughs> I don't even know if there's anything that Jerry Seinfeld could do to me, let alone would. I don't know if there's anything he could do to me if I said that I like that he opened for me for twelve years. I could just <laughs> put that on my bio. What's he gonna do? Wait, you're so right. Yeah. Right? Like he didn't. I, like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing that one specifically. I'll use other yeah. lies. But like, sure. Like, there's. Nick. There's no reason not. I mean, did to, you really on. open for Nikki? I did open for Nikki. <laughs> I did. What's the deal with this guy saying he's open for? Him? <laughs> <laughs> what he open for the Pope? Huh? Wait, this is a really good point, though. It is. Yeah, it so, is. what would you? What's your like? What would be your? Uh, I mean, to get like like real deep in the weeds with the honest answer, it's just that the crowd, the people actually do pick out how honest you are being. Sure. And they don't want you to be a 100%. I mean, no. it's, it's not, 
I hate the phrase it's funny because it's true because if that were actually the case I could just go up on stage and be like 7 plus 3 equals 10 and you're always <laughs> losing right that's a bad example you're laughing now but like, like <laughs> but are, it, you, you are, are right. funny because they are true yeah but the, the genuine nature of how you're saying them people can tell the difference between an honest liar and a dishonest liar yes. it's, it's a it's a it's a thing that you are not free of entirely sure. but there but there is just an interesting relationship with it sure it's yeah. weird my i had a comedy coach one time who told me that he said it was a he said the audience can tell when you're being dishonest and i never understood that like how but now i get it like if you go out there and you try to be something Same. you aren't mm-hmm. they see right through you it's but if not- you but if you let them in on the joke then that's when you become an, a, an honest lie the james randy is the one who put it that way that i understood but it's like, like you're if I do like like I opened for 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 Jerry Seinfeld for twelve years, I taught Bobcat Goldthwait everything that he knew. George Carlin is my grandchild, and if it just like keeps getting like like progressively more and more nonsensical to the point that any reasonable listener would actually figure out that it is a lie, then right. it's no longer a lie. Then it's yeah. like I don't it's, I, I, it, it's a bit, and yeah. now yeah. people are yes. with it. And it, it, the, the fact that it's not literally true no longer is a fact. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you did like go to an open mic or a show and tell the host, "Hey, I open for these people," or then they expect you to be really funny or really good, and then when you get on yeah. stage and you don't deliver that, they aren't laughing because it's not you're not that good, and That's they expected true. you to be yeah. really. Like good. I, I got to open for J- Big J Okerson one time. I, I very rarely say that to anybody because nobody hears. Oh, you're a guy who's put in some work and got into a place to open for a big name. Sure. They hear, oh, you're kind of like Big J Okerson. Okay, cool. And I'm not like Big yeah. J Okerson. I'm big. That's <laughs> that, that that that's where it ends. Yeah. Like we're we're not like I I've worked with Nikki Glazer once. Like we're, 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 there's, yeah. there's comparisons to be made, but that's not the comparison that I want to make. So I don't. I don't I don't introduce myself to anybody that way. Sure. I, I don't right. like using those in my intro anyhow. There's other things right. that can be said. Yeah, like your love of blueberries. It's true. Love me some blueberries, man. Mm-hmm. They're just like it, it's it's just a pure sensual. I like that flavor. Yes. The, 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 the way that the chemistry of this fruit dances on my taste buds makes my brain happy. Yeah. I just I remember when I was like putting together like all the bios and everything for the rest of Batman we did and like I just saw that you made it a point to mention that blueberry jelly is your favorite donut filling. Mm-hmm. And I just saw that and I'm it's like the best donut filling. Uh, it, it is absolutely the best. I like, Yes. I I just I saw that and I'm like I get this I get this individual on so <laughs> many levels. It's a blueberry love, man. Yeah. I'll say, uh, <laughs> peach fan too, big peach fan. Peaches uh, are good. My wife likes peach a lot. Like yeah. Peach Bellini iced tea. Is mm. Yeah. Fruit is just naturally just really good. Yeah. Yeah. You just pick it from the garden and it's good. It's got sugar in it. Yeah. yeah. Off the tree. Naturally. Yeah. Like, my, yeah. my, 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 uh, say my grandma growing up, like she had a pear tree in her backyard and like, I was just, I'd just go up there, I'd like, I'd wash it off a little bit, but I'd just eat pear like right off the tree. It's so young. Imagine if you were like, like, like you just lived, you don't have to go back that far, 400 years. Candy doesn't exist, all, like, 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 like refined sugar's not a thing. Yeah. But there's just bright, sweet, delicious shits just growing in trees, and like, 
a couple months out of the year, you get to have the most amazing, inexplicable thing ever, and then disappears for the rest of for like for the rest of the year. Yeah. But back then, how weird is it that like some things are poisonous? So like you're walking through, you see a big giant pear, and it's yummy, but then you also try to eat that like red thing, mm-hmm. and it kills you. Yeah, and like, something. <laughs> Some things are brightly colored so they can advertise that they are delicious so that things will eat them and then poop out the seeds farther away over yeah. there and they can propagate a thing. Other things are brightly covered so that they can warn animals not to eat hey, them because eat they me. are poisonous right. and I don't want you to eat me. <laughs> there's just no right. there's no oversight to nature either. It's yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a really great way to put it. Do you think that you look at the world differently because you're a comedian? Like, do you feel that, like, since starting comedy, you look at things differently? 100%. Yeah. Mm. Like, even brightly colored fruit. Yeah. On trees. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I'll, you know, like, chase down the concept further than I maybe would have naturally. Like, yeah. I, I try to stop myself from uh, going too far from sure. the real mission statement there. But, yeah, sometimes you, you do just kind of, like, get in the feedback loop of doing comedy guy things. Yeah. Or, like, when I'm in a normal conversation, I have to remind myself, like, wait, let's not take this as deep as possible. Like, let's not look for all the, like, what-ifs on this regular topic. <laughs> right. What else is there to do during a conversation, though? Yeah, that's true. That's the whole point, is what if. What if we didn't, what if we didn't do this? Yeah. Shit. Or what if we did it that way? Like, what if we ate pizza instead of pho today? No. Deep. Deep questions. <laughs> so deep. I mean, we we talked actually. We've talked more about pizza on this podcast than we have pho. So yeah, I, I see we're just coming back to the pizza. I don't believe you. I will. Uh... <laughs> she called a pizza my mind. Oh, <laughs> you guys are really good at puns. I say we we like to slice them off here and there. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I mean, we you know talked about where you came from. Ah. Uh, uh, I I'm I'm starting. Yeah, I'll say it's it's so very rare that like, I I even get over puns. So <laughs> this is such a new foreign feeling to me. But uh, so so we uh, where where are both of you now? This one uh, either of you can go first at this point. Um, where do you see comedy going for you? Like what? Where do you want it to go? Where do you want comedy to go for you? I'm there, man. Like, I, I, I wish I could be back on stage now. Like, it, it sucks that I'm at home. And that's really kind of where I'm focusing on at the moment is, like, what does the return to stage look like and when does it happen? Uh, but in terms of... Uh, I kind of lost my train of thought here a little bit. But, like, 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 like in terms of, like, like, what do I want to accomplish with my professional stand-up? I... I I don't really think about that much. I don't care if I get famous. I'd I, I enjoy being rich. That's cool. But I've, by sitting here in Newark recording a podcast with two other people who are practicing performing comedians in a major city in the U.S., I have exceeded my wildest dreams from when I started. So at this point, I am simply just a kind of enjoying the gravy and seeing what Ooh. else is out there and I, I i like doing podcasts and i like uh, I, I like i like just getting on stage even on just free shows and i like getting booked at things in the city and i like getting booked on things outside the city and i get to go on a, on a, on a trip yeah 
and I like and I like when I get too many trips in the same month, and now I'm tired of traveling. Like that feels good too in its own way, and it's and I, and, I, and then there's you know seven months in a row where I don't take any trips or I don't even really get any bookings, and I feel like oh shit, what have I done? There's a whole uh, a roller coaster of like, well, like what is, is this? Am I figuring out, like, is this even my fault? Is this even something within my control? Or is it just the way that the things are? And after nine years, after having been able to go through my own personal ups and downs and waves and to outlast it and to just still be out here doing it, I, I can't feel anything other than victorious about that. Like, I, I've done what I set out to do, and I'd love to keep doing it longer, but, like, shit, man, I don't have... If I died tomorrow, I'm proud of my comedy career. Nick, that's beautiful. Well, thank you. That was really well spoken, and and amazing. Uh, Even God approves. <laughs> the thunder. I there's, I. There's a lot of valid reasons to do any sort of thing and I, I hate to be a gatekeeper about comedy but just for, for for me personally assessing my own life and choices and motivations if I were doing this for any other reason than it makes me happy to do this I would feel unfulfilled absolutely so, uh, Shayna, follow that up, why don't you? Yeah, and not to... <laughs> she chose for me to go first, by the way. You're right, I she did. did. She, yeah, she, I was she, over here she, like... <laughs> she did deflect... Yeah, she deflected the coin toss. No, because... Yeah, and not to like totally like piggyback, but I definitely understand that and vibe with that because for so long, I always chose to do things based on the outcome. I, my whole life, wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a lawyer because when I'm a lawyer, I get to make a lot of money. And when I'm a lawyer, I'm going to be happy. And so it was, for me, like going to school and being unhappy and feeling like this is hard work and this is a lot of money and for what reason? I don't feel fulfilled. And comedy was the first time in my life where I did something because it felt good. And I feel the same way. Like, I do this, it feels so good. And so when you ask me where it is that I want to go... It's the first time in my life that I'm not chasing an outcome. I'm enjoying this journey of whatever it is. Because as you do pick up more momentum and and you do do more shows, it gets more stressful. And so, like, I know that right now, you're right, we're in a major city. I get to do comedy every single day of my life. Like, I I enjoy it and I love it. Other than COVID right now, we, we aren't on stage. But I write all the time because I enjoy it. Like, I love it. I love being on stage. I love making people laugh or groan or <laughs> angry or whatever it is. But it's something that I, I would love to just continue to grow every day. Like, I never want to feel stagnant in it. But I do. I feel really happy with where I am. And as far as, like, where I want to go, I truthfully cannot answer that right now because I just love where I am right now. Not to just completely take what Nick said, but I really yeah. feel the same yeah. way. It's it's a I'm great. I'm glad so many people feel that way about my living room. That's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, like we're sitting here eating pho in Newark, Ohio. Big fan myself. By the way, all the previous podcast guests are still just like sitting over here in a corner. Yeah. I don't think they're allowed to leave. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're gonna have to. Fight so we're this. okay. <laughs> I did know that Nick has a crowbar in his car though, so we'll be good. If we can get to the car. Oh shoot, you're right. He's got a suit of armor over there. Come he on, does man. have a suit of armor. Yeah. 
Like but no, you, this you is. You know, there's a claymore somewhere in this house. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a, a dream of I never in a, mil- a million years would have imagined myself to be right here. Like in, in it's, Richardson's living room. Exactly, but it is so fun. Yes. It, it's amazing. It's fun. It's funny. Funny. Ugh. Did I do it? Yeah, you did. I did. You did. You did. Uh, yes. I mean, that's uh, yeah. It, it really is. I, I actually talked in the the last episode. Uh, any pursuit that anybody does, whether it be comedy, music, art, cooking, politics, anything, if it's something that you feel driven to do to pursue, never ever lose sight of why you started it. Absolutely. Like don't don't let the don't focus so much on the ends. Focus on the journey. Always remember where you came from you can always look back and just see like hey i used to be there here's where i'm at now yeah and uh you know to be proud of it like absolutely it's again like to to move on is to grow sure um i want to admit that it's hard i've definitely lost sight of where i came from at a number of times in the past and i'm almost certainly going to again in the future it's not something that i you know it's not an exercise in perfection but to really uh, to, to try to preserve that is, is valuable. Yeah. And it is it is hard. It gets really hard sometimes. And but yeah, to remember why you started um, two years ago, like I've just grown so much as a person through comedy. I think just from learning to be rejected by a room full of people at once and learning that like sometimes you give it your best and it wasn't you know, you didn't make anyone laugh. But two years ago, I was so scared to get on stage. I would have never in a million years thought that this is where I would be today. Now you're hosting but, your own show. And yeah. yeah, and it's it's incredible, you know. I, I Yeah, I guess I, I hope to always grow. Destin, what about you? Where do you choose to be? Like, what what is your pursuit? My pursuit, like? um, much like all of you guys, uh, ended in my living room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that we've all achieved our goals at once. The, the, the whole team made it. Um, We're here. Retirement party. <laughs> I'll say, yeah, this next round of tea, I might spike it. So, uh, <laughs> no, I. I uh, Who's this hemlock? <laughs> we, yeah, we, I uh, I, 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 like, again, I always, like, I'm always big on it. I, you don't dwell on the past, but again, just remember it. Like, sure. don't, don't let it really dictate your future. Use it as a reference tool of the growth you made. Because, uh, like, I'm remember back like high school Destin specifically um I mean like I was just so introverted I like didn't leave my parents basement uh I was just always like writing really like sad emo songs and like playing guitar and all that (laughs) and like I don't know the idea of talking to people outside of like when I absolutely had to was just like unreal to me and then just in the growth in the last, because now I'm like, I would almost say I've completely shifted from my introverted ways to like now, like I, I get like, I don't know, I, I'm almost more of an extrovert than I ever thought I would be. Comedy helped that a lot, obviously. Like it's, it, it's always uh, one of the greatest ways to like just completely shift your views on public speaking. Because yeah. the idea of like just presenting like a report or whatever, I mean, that's stuff that like you've, you put a whole lot of research into, you have like a lot of facts backing it up. Uh, whereas comedy, on the other hand, you're almost presenting, you're, you're, you're still presenting, but like you're not really presenting hardcore facts like you would be like a project. You're presenting just observations, opinions, you know, something like that. I mean, obviously. The presentation actually takes priority over the material. Yeah. 
Which um, is scary to think about in a way. I mean, maybe not scary, but like for me, like I was someone who I didn't love the person that I was. And so the thought of like getting on stage and being me to hundreds of people was scary. Yeah. But now I've kind of realized like, hey, me as a person is okay. Yeah, and yeah. I can present me. Like, yeah. I'm not. And sometimes that takes just, you know, being metaphorically stripped down into your essential parts yep. in a story like to to tell an honest story even if it's one that's not embarrassing in any way sure. it can be a very daunting task Absolutely. to be that real it's it's, it's not it's, it's not just automatic for no. a lot of people for a lot of reasons when i first started comedy i like remember thinking to myself like all right, so, like, what are things that I like and things that I don't like? And I was like, oh, my God, what do I like? <laughs> like, I didn't know. I didn't know how to be honest. Like, I was never – I wasn't an honest person, like, not with myself, not with the world. And, like, now I've learned a new level of honesty. It, it sounds so weird, but, like, it's – a lot of people are not honest with themselves. Like, it's, it's hard to be honest with yourself. And this forces you to look at your life and look at your, who you are and to talk about it. And, and to be judged for it. Totally. Like, and in, you're in, so in honest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And to watch people judge you. To ask people to judge you. Yeah. Like, yeah. judge me. I'm, I, I'm very big on, like, uh, have, like make, I want people to tell me if there's something I'm doing wrong. Because uh, it's, 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 it's the only way. It's the only way. There you go. You hurt your spine. Uh, wait a minute. This is my own house. No, <laughs> fuck you. Um... <laughs> um no, like, actually, I, I remember posting uh, a while ago, um, I watched Kathleen Madigan for the first time. I watched her um, Bothering Jesus on Netflix. It's a good one. And I, wa- it, it was. It, like, she's great at what she does. And I watched it, and I I always noticed it in my head. I just, I, I didn't let it bother me when I would perform live. If, I'm, if I don't remove the mic from the mic stand, if I still, if, if I keep it in the stand... That I will hold the mic stand just right under the mic, like right where the mic and the actual mm-hmm. stand itself meets, and then hold it there. Like I won't touch the mic itself. I hold it right underneath, and then I would still move the mic stand that way. And like it, it took me seeing her doing it to realize like that kind of bothers me because I know I do it too, and that's when I put out this big like filler thing. Like hey, like it was uncomfortable for me to watch this. If it's uncomfortable for everyone else, or what other things am I doing that people might see as me conveying, like, discomfort or something? Because, like, the idea of, like, holding the stand, it, it is kind of a subconscious, like, crutch. Yeah. You know, like, again, you're up there, you're vulnerable, and, like, one of the first things you want to do is you just want to grab onto something for support. Like, so... Ultimately, it's a pretty easy formula. Anything that you are doing with purpose is going to work within the context of what you're doing. Anything that you're doing without purpose is going to be a distraction. Anything you're doing mindlessly is going to distract the audience. They're going to notice, oh, he's just playing with the chord. But if you're playing with the chord because it's a part of the bit, it doesn't even really matter whether or not it's a good bit or if that's a good part of the bit. As long as you're doing it with purpose, it's not going to distract people from what you're going for. Right. It's going to focus them on what you are trying to focus them on, and, and then and then you could be judged for how good that thing was. Right. Oh, what a good point. With in, yeah, to do something with intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the first thing I do is I take the microphone out of the mic stand, I put the mic stand behind me. Yep. Like, I have never once, like, 
I feel like that shows confidence in a way, you know, just like yeah. I'm, I know how to work this mic stand, I know how to take this out, and it's behind me. But there's also a difference. Even if there's two comedians, and it, just, just imagine, whatever, two comedians are exactly the same. One of them's been doing it for 20 years, one of them's been doing it for a week. Okay. Okay, otherwise, but you have no idea which one's which. You'd be able to tell just by the way they walked on stage and took yes. the mic out of the stand. Yes. Even if they left it in the exact same spot. There's a difference between leaving the mic stand where it is because you just don't know it's a thing to move the mic stand and, and leaving the mic stand where it is because you want to leave the mic stand where it is. Yeah. Even, even something as subtle as a complete non-action can have an intention that plays to the audience sometimes. And, I, and, you're, and you're never going to be fully aware of what those are you're never gonna be fully in control no. but the more that you can uh is is one way to describe how how skilled you are at doing stand-up yeah when i started to record myself i started to notice little things like i would always play with my hair yeah and i realized what a distraction it is like because i was it kind of looks like you're uncomfortable you almost look nervous right like mindless things like mm-hmm. i used to play with the cord of the, of the mic like and those are things that now when i get on stage i consciously think to myself yeah. like all right well you learn you learn like, to to adjust for those yeah. you learn you learn to first you learn to recognize then you learn how to adjust like i used to be a Guy. No. Yeah. On stage. I'm a big lip snack guy myself. No. Yeah. On stage. I, I did that into a microphone a couple yeah. of times. And like, like for sure I did it a lot of times that just it didn't even register to me that it was a thing that I was <laughs> doing. And then like I would start to notice that like people would have just like not a big reaction or anything like that. But they would just like they, they would acknowledge with their body language that I had a verbal tick and I was just like oh that's not something I'm doing because I want to do it and for that reason alone I want to eliminate it yeah um, did, before before I did stand up I did do theater for like 10 years if we're counting high school and I was uh, I was made aware a couple of different times from like directors that I was a lip smack kind of guy yeah uh, yeah or in, and then also like watching stand up because back to where I was talking like people were way too nice people were yeah. way too nice to me um, I don't want if, if I'm trying to make myself better I don't want people to be nice about it yes. I want to know what I'm doing what I can improve on uh, another one like a lot of times when I when I do have the mic out of the stand uh, and I, I'll talk with my hands obviously and I mean that just kind of comes with territory but my hand is always so high. It's like almost like right in front of my face and like it never goes below like my nipple. And uh, like it just looks, it looks like tension is all it is. Like when everything's so high and so confined in one little area, it just creates a tension in the audience, I feel. Mm -hmm. So I like right before the COVID started, anytime I was doing a bit talking my hands, I always try to make sure that I had like a lower either resting position for my hand, or I would just make make much larger movements. Which large movements anyway already is uh, is usually beneficial for anything you're trying to convey. The bigger the movement, the more people are going to pay attention to it. Like yeah. that's a big Chris Rock thing. Like that's how oh. he kind of hacked. I never heard at that. The beginning, like again, Chris Rock, he's like such a pacer because like by literally having to follow him. Yep you are having to pay kind of attention. Yeah. 
And, and I mean, obviously, what he's saying too. Also, like he, he's a great writer, but like early on, he learned the importance of maintaining attention via yeah. large movements. I've also started to like speak quieter into the microphone because I noticed that like people have to pay a little bit more attention if mm-hmm. I'm not like shouting. And yeah. so I almost like I'm too quiet sometimes now, but like I'll intentionally like be very small like with my voice and stuff just mm-hmm. because you have to pay attention. I had to get very good and fluid at moving the mic away. Not uh, so far that you couldn't hear me, but like if I'm going to do like a, like a shouty thing, I'm going to get like, <laughs> yep. I, 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 yep. I, 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 I'm very, uh, like, I like, I like to do that. I like to like, you know, yes. like, like get loud for like a word and then right back down yep. to where I was before. Like a pixie song. But I had to learn to do that with the microphone yeah. because if you shout into mm-hmm. the microphone, oh. it gets too loud. And then no matter what you're saying for the next, even if it's just five seconds, everybody's still just thinking about the way that you just, you, you peak the meters yes. and you've yep. lost them. Yeah. It's, that's actually so true. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Like the loud and soft dynamic is absolute, like absolutely one of my favorite uh, devices of telling jokes. But yeah. like, but the, the, the loud is the hard part. I mean, it, it's, it's a lot easier to, to, to be soft than it is to be loud and not take away from because like there there is an inherent uh funniness i guess when it's done right of like lewis black is like a great one like he's like known for his his yelling Mm -hmm. but he's he knows how to do it right he does and and again he's always i bet you i bet you at least at this point now that he's famous lewis black has you know like a sound guy specifically trained to monitor the volume the master volume i'm sure lewis writes like when he writes out the special like he he sends a copy to the sound booth and like there's big bold underlines of like hey, reel it down. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean the sound guy's going to do what what the talent needs done. Like sure, he's gonna make him sound the best yeah. that he can. But isn't it interesting how many things we have to be aware of? Like how many subtle things like movements and like touching the microphone and the stand and our voices and how we look and how we stand and not to mention doing our comedy. I just feel like there's so many things that we have to be aware of on stage. Like I don't think it's I don't think it's unique to comedy, but like a lot of different things anything. require all those different yeah. talents working together. But very very few jobs have you doing it on stage under a spotlight with everybody looking Staring at you at and you. analyzing it. Yeah. Right. And so it's 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 unique in in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's just it just seems just talking about it right now it just seems like wow, I don't even realize that I'm aware of all these things on stage sometimes. Like I mean that's that's a big part of why public speaking is like one so of the hard. number one fears among humans. Yeah. And that yeah. and and that fear being a thing is what makes our job interesting that we're For able sure. to either escape it or to defeat it is yeah. is something that uh I, I can't really appreciate what that means to other people because I because I, I I'm no longer really afraid of public speaking. Yeah, it's something right. that I enjoy. Right. Sure. But I need it, it's important to stay aware of the fact though that like like that's why people appreciate what we do because it's terrifying. Yeah. Because there's with public speaking like there's so many tiny moving parts and not even just like brain activity alone. There's so many neurons uh, firing in a person's brain. Uh, some people put uh, filters in front of what they say. Um, I don't get those people. But uh, <laughs> some people fil- are filtering it in real time. Uh, there's so much going on just behind the, behind the skull, let alone behind the scenes, which is another thing of not just performing, but public speaking. Public speaking 
you have to take in consideration what you're looking at. You have to take like the makeup of an audience. You have to take in how big of a room, how big, like that determines the, the volume you speak because more bodies absorb sound. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want people in the back to hear you, you got to know how to project properly. You got there's like, yeah, it, it is a very uh, complex science behind talking to a room full of people. For sure. Right. And I, I think that the whole fear, like there's that quote, right, that says there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And I feel like it's so true because it seems like this big, scary thing. And then you do it and you're like, I was more scared of the story behind the fear than like actually just getting on stage. Like I feel like it's not really, it is scary. It is very scary, but it's almost just like we make it seem so scary. And really, I think it's we're scared of being judged. I think we're scared of not getting on stage, but the like things that getting off your ass and doing it part is yep. the, the, the yep. real uh, the real shit just yep. doing it yeah absolutely yep um i'll just say i mean this we'll, we'll run this one a little longer i mean we got you know a bunch of people we here, have two but, guests yeah we have two guests um so looking back also who would you say was uh big influences on not just getting you into comedy but just like who would you say like if you had to pick someone for your writing style, granted it's it's your own style, but who would you say lent uh, lent little elements and aspects to it? I listened to a lot of George Carlin in the years before I was a stand-up comedian. Like he, he, he was he was starting to be dated at that point. He was still alive. Uh, this would have been around the time of the Life Is Worth Losing special okay. uh, drop-in. Uh, I think I have a timeline right on that. I could be wrong, but anyways, like th this was uh, just a, it was just like friends. He was he had been immensely popular since before I was alive, and he had stayed relevant that long. And friends listened to him. And I was just right. like, oh, okay, this is a guy doing you know, uh, social philosophy in a comedic sense. And I don't think. I consciously ever took anything stylistically from George Carlin. Uh, there, there was one bit specifically that I did that was like almost like a prose poem in the way that he sort of did things. And, I, and then I, I, I did that and then somebody noticed. It's like, oh, it's kind of like one of those things Carlin did and I never did it again. Because <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't want to be doing that. <laughs> I have no desire to go out and to try to be anybody, let alone George Carlin. But right. uh, uh, the, the way that he seemed even in his old age, to be just so happy to do... Like, he seems so... Ch just childishly exuberant about the fact that yes. he was going on stage talking about goofy shit. Like, that sort of thing... Uh, that attitude, the philosophy behind it, was something that I really uh, appreciated uh, in my formative years uh, starting to do as, as stand-up. And there's a lot of other mm -hmm. ones in there, but he's, he's the one that, that was uh, at the top of it, I'm sure. Yeah. I'll say, yeah, um, you always got to pay respect to one of the four Mount Rushmore's of, of course. comedy. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it, this is Absolutely. not a unique story in any way. Right, right, right. Like, that, that, I mean, it's it, 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 it's not any less real, but of course it's very much just like, uh, you know, asking like Oasis, and they're like, yeah, we were big fans of Beatles. And they're like, <laughs> oh, really? The Beatles? Wow, never, yeah. But no, uh, again, Carlin, he's a legend for every reason you can think of. And, and you have a you have a George Carlin tattoo, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I do, in fact, have a George Carlin uh, tattoo. Uh, it's his back. face. It's on his back. He pulled the Steve <laughs> elbow with 
with George Carlin, this old, mean, muggy face. It's 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 like a tramp stamp. Right. I don't have it. Oh man, I'm I, like, I, I'm I, looking I, at Nick. Like, wait, is this real? I I I, I mean, I guess I can go ahead. Uh, <laughs> do you? Uh, here's what, here's what we're gonna do. I'm going I'm gonna turn around, Shanna. If you would be so kind, just pull down the back of my shirt. And then uh, just go ahead and read out. This is really there. reading like a Louis C.K. thing. And right th- now. this is a George Carlin bit. I did not write this. It's just a. So I'm currently thing. reading this from Nick's back. Please, let's never anybody tell this guy all the shit he wrote on his back. He thinks it's a pirate ship. Oh, <laughs> damn. Did <laughs> <laughs> I just ruin your tattoo? No. Wait, it's not a pirate no. ship? No. Damn it. No. no oh man. A, oh, that's funny. I'm trying to remember. I think it was on. Oh, the the sinking feeling he had about that. Oh man. <laughs> Nick's face just went white. I think there was a. Uh, I think it was on AMFM, is what where it was. It was just like that joke. It was just like let's, let's tattoo this guy on his back. I'm like, like yeah. fuck it. I you know, I wanted to get a tattoo. Oh, that's so it, funny. Just like I didn't actually care that much. Yeah. You're so not. I put it in a place I've never had to see it. Sure. <laughs> I forget it's there. Yeah. That's funny. That's nice. So, uh, Shana, any uh, any influential tattoos? No. <laughs> <laughs> how about just influences then? How about that? <laughs> no tattoos or influential ones. Um, so, mine's like very polar opposite of Nick, but... I was never someone who watched stand-up as a kid. I really didn't know much about stand-up. And so... When I first started, like about a year and a half ago, one of the first comedy specials I watched was Anthony Jeselnik. And it was just accidentally, like I just came across it. And then I realized that I was accidentally speaking like him on stage. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that happened, but I had yeah. like... It happens a lot. Oh yeah. man, yeah. Like you just, what, like you just, just imitate them accidentally? Mm-hmm. Like I mean, if, you, if you are a comedian and you know comedians, there's... You know, you probably have two or three in your mind and yes. you're just like, oh, he's doing that guy. Yeah. 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 It was weird though. So like my, my humor wasn't necessarily as dark as him, but right. like I would totally try and like, I loved how he was just, he just, you never know where, where he's going. Like yeah. I love that, that he takes like a hard left on every joke. Like he's going somewhere and then it's like, whoa, you know, and I, I really liked that. Yeah. Um, I also love Eliza Schlesinger's like energy on stage so like yeah. two completely opposite type of people and i know they're right. not like old like influential comics but right. they're new influential comics but yeah they? i do feel like in my life they both have influenced me in very um older millennials so to speak <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes but eliza has this like really good work ethic too i just think that she's like a woman in comedy who's just very strong and she's energetic on stage and she's a really good you know performer and anthony i think is just a good writer and yeah. so I guess they both have influences. Yeah, my uh, my influences are kind of unfortunate. Oh no. Well, but you'll see exactly why here in a bit. So, my my biggest influences. Well, at, when I was ten, when I was ten, that was when my dad decided to introduce culture to me in every sense of the word. Because uh, I, I was raised on country, and then at ten, he played me Black Sabbath and made a metalhead of me for the rest of my life. But then he also then he was like, all right, we're gonna watch movies. Uh, and the first thing he showed me was Monty Python's Holy Grail. Uh, he showed me a whole bunch of Mel Brooks. 
And again, at 10, a little too early for Blazing Saddles, but I digress. It's still one of my favorite movies to this day. Um, but then, I, uh, so I, I had a lot of like British comedy at first, but the one that really spoke to me was I accidentally, um, well, well, it wasn't so accidentally. I was at uh, an uncle's house and I was looking through their DVDs and I saw Eddie Murphy's Raw. And I'm like, Eddie Murphy, he's donkey. I love Shrek. And so I play it. I put it in there. Oh yeah, you want to talk about the greatest shock ever? Like everyone has like the Bob Saget syndrome about how like he's like yeah, this nice wholesome man. TV dad, and then you hear Saget stand up, and it is filthy. Uh, same. I mean, yeah, to go from donkey to Goody Goody. to raw. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I mean, just. The, the opening bit in Raw alone, like, I mean, obviously nowadays, I'm, I almost don't even have the heart to mention it, people will know by now, but I mean, just, and I, and I saw that way too young in life, like, <laughs> like 10, 11, that's way too young for Eddie Murphy's Raw, but like, I'm just like, this is like, this is amazing, this is brilliant, and I was like, I would like to do this someday, um, and so I, I, every Christmas I asked for a leather jumpsuit, and I never got it, <laughs> but uh, then... Uh, I started watching Chappelle show. Like I would stay up late and I'd watch Chappelle show. Um, I rented original King's Comedy. So um, I say it's unfortunate that that's like where I like got my love of comedy because if you look at me, it is very unfortunate that like my idea of writing was, uh, you know, I, I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't go up there and be a black comic. Like it would it would not read well in the room at all. I can't go up there and. You know, I'm not even. I'm not even gonna do it. But you know, because I don't want to get canceled. I wasted it. Yes, yeah, yeah. That was his good. Like, even if you're thinking about doing it, don't even like try and do a Chris Rock bit right now. But uh, no. And then my uh, my biggest influence was actually bullying myself. Oh wow. Yeah. Because um, throughout all of school, I had something that people bullied me for. I had a rat tail till I was in sixth grade, and like I didn't dare cut it because my mom is a very intense yeah, woman. That's not your choice. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't. No, and people say like you could have cut that off. I'm like, you don't know Denna. Like, De- she De- like, she made you have a rat tail. Yeah. Um, Did she like she it? She thought. Yeah, she thought it was a good look for some reason. Uh, Dutch girl bangs <gasps> mullet with a rat tail coming out of it. What? So I was bullied for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have, what was it, uh, friends. I didn't have a lot of friends. Rat tail coming out of it. Yeah. Sounds like a, like the title of a country album. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was my unfortunate childhood until sixth grade. Then seventh grade, she finally let me like, get did, some kind did of you, haircut. Did you come home and say, like, Mom, they're bullying me because of my hair? And she's like, that's not why they're doing it. Yes, it is, woman! <laughs> They're they're coming up and they're yanking it and they're pulling me she down on the playground. They're doing it. They like I'm I'm there. I I know I was there. Six of them signed this notarized form saying that's why. Yeah. Um, Sorry, honey, I needed seven signatures. Yeah. Like they were they they would go up and they'd call like and, and like they'd yank my hair and they'd like, you know they they'd call me uh, like Splinter because uh you know the rat from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They'd call me Anakin, which now I'm like, that is such an insult. It's a pretty good burn, though. It, it is, it burn. is. Um, but then, so then seventh grade, I finally got the haircut, but that's when I started to get fat. <laughs> and so then I was the fat kid. 
Then I get to high school. Then I, I was still like, then I went from fat kid to gay kid, which is a problem because I'm a fat, but fat, 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 not gay. <laughs> and then we did this podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so up until my senior year, uh, no amount of me telling people I wasn't gay convinced people I wasn't gay. Oh, that, that, I, I, I sucked the corner of that back stick one time, and then all of a sudden I'm labeled <laughs> for it forever. It was school spirit. It was the, the big rival game. I just had to, you know, I wanted to clear his head. Both. Both heads. So, senior year, I finally get a girlfriend, and everyone's response, well, I, I actually overheard in, in a lunchroom. Uh, when they saw us together, sat down, and I overhear someone saying, holy shit, gay Destin's not gay. I'm like, how many other Destins are there that you had to preface me as the gay one? Like, if it was like, Brandon, yeah, I get it, there's a lot of Brandons, yeah, like, let's, let's, let's call it as we see it. Uh, pretty sure I'm the only Destin. Yeah. If anything, you gotta point out the straight Destins. <laughs> exactly! Exactly! We're a dying breed. But, um... So yeah, uh, so being bullied like me. And, and, but the, but the, uh, what really started was in seventh grade. I <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm getting really fed up with this bullying thing. What if I beat them to it and I just self-deprecate in like any time I meet somebody? Yeah. And like I just mercilessly bullied myself to the point where I wasn't paying attention to what they were saying because like, oh, they're not even nearly as creative uh, at burning me than I am. So. So I actually got my, my start writing almost was in form of insulting myself. Oh, wow. So yeah. it, not a healthy way by any means. It was a surefire uh, recipe for, you know, depression and all that. But then that's, I took that and then that's when I'm like, you know what, let me get in the mic. If, if I can, you know, any story, I'll, I'll throw myself out there. I'll, you know, say whatever. But if, if anybody, and you know. Feels feels better about it if if my struggles can help anybody in any way then that's that's all I can do so and you still are very self self deprecating I very. feel like that is definitely your style I, I love self deprecating humor I think I, a lot of people do if people only I was do. actually fucking good at it no you are um, which is why you were it's my so... most clever joke thank you for at least oh. at least breathing <laughs> sorry <laughs> it took me a second there. Yeah, I would say it is hands down my most clever joke. My second most clever joke actually was like recently. It was the uh, uh, anyone that says they don't need fiber in their diet is full of shit. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, Uh, like the uh, (laughs) the fact that those two stand out is like the the ones I'm like, yeah, that's that's me being clever. That's funny, but it's cool. I think that like you said, it's a message to send out, right? Like if people are like suffering from depression or anything like that, like or you are being bullied, like. Hey, you can laugh about it. I believe that any comedian, any person who has a microphone in their hand has something to say. And I just feel like maybe you don't have this like profound message, but there's a reason, even if it's just to say like silly stuff and make people laugh or whatever it is, but like that is really cool to have a message like that because you never know who would, who is listening and whose day you're brightening or who who's looking at you like, right. "Hey, I used to have a mullet rat tail too, and now I feel better about myself." Cause Dest, cause gay Destin did it. Cause gay Destin. You know, like they feel, like yeah. it might, like I don't know. I talk a lot, a lot about stuff in my. I, I really, I really want to come across the uh, my long lost fan out there. I want to come across the 
the closeted, uh, the closeted gay country boy that's still rocking the rat tail. Sure. Oh my gosh. There's probably so many out there. You just don't realize it. Like yeah. I, I didn't know. I, I realized quickly that tragedy is comedy, right? Like people want to mm-hmm. hear about the deep, dark, bad stuff in Can't your life. Realize that quickly. It takes time. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. but like I, I tragedy, tragedy equals comedy is with time plus time. time. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, you are right. But, like, to at least be able to, like, talk about that stuff. Because when you're on stage, people look at you like, oh, man, like, me too. Like, I don't know. But people don't want to see someone on stage who's, like, has it all together and who's just perfect. Like, they want to see someone who is yeah. bullied. Yeah. They, don't also, they also don't want to see somebody who's, you know, like... like, like in the thick we of... We are tragedy artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, in the thick of depression and, yeah. like, yeah. Well, I mean... It, not even necessarily that. You can be like like truly genuinely depressed and there are some people who are still able to drag themselves up on stage and be hilarious about it, which uh, is, first of all, like, tremendously uh, impressive, but also it's, it's just, it, I, I think that the depression is not connected to the funny. I think it's yeah. just something that, I think it's a way that funny can be done. Yeah. Sure. And it, it, it is fully functional. There's nothing uh, wrong with it beyond the how you feel about being depressed. But yeah. There, there's, uh, I don't know, the, the idea that, that being depressed and being funny are the same thing is as pervasive as it is wrong. It's, it's just there, there, you can be funny depressed, you can be unfunny depressed. Yeah. It, there, it, everybody has something to say. Uh, in the improv world, uh, I've heard this described as there's always something in the box. There's always something yeah. that that y- you can say, and yet being able to say it is is a, is a different thing. Having sure. something to say and the abil- having the ability to say it, and then having the ability to be funny as you say it are, are, are all uh, related but but separate things that you're doing. Yeah, and I think also, though, like, for example, like, if Destin was sitting here still really sad about being bullied and he wasn't over it, mm-hmm. we would be able to feel that. Yeah. And it, oh. <laughs> still am, girl, still am. No, but, like, I just, you, you're far enough removed from it that, like, yeah. we don't feel like you're on stage, like, crying and sad, like, we want to no. help you. you. We are laughing no, at I'm, the fact I'm that you I, I try to not be in a Lance Morissette song up there. Like, I try Yeah, to... which I think, for me, at least, like, with a lot of things that I talk about, like, there's some things that, like cool like I've healed from this I'm healing from this I'm aware of this like I'm not in the middle of dealing with all this stuff and just unleashing baggage on stage right like being funny because you've gotten over it right so we uh I say not to end just right here but uh we're gonna end just right here we're gonna end end right here yep (laughs) bye Bye. no I'm kidding uh actually um before we go here well I mean I heard a couple before anyway here's our segment no longer called Spill of the Tea. Uh, I think what we're going to go with for, at least right now, uh, it would be hot hot tea with hotties. Is what I'm going with for now. Um, typically, this is this is the official segment for a nice hot take, is, is, is why. But, I mean, we had a couple earlier. Uh, what, I think you had the one that was like, it was cheese related. Oh, yeah. It, it was during our deep philosophical pizza conversation. Yeah. I, my hot take on pizza is, oh man, people aren't going to like this, but every time I eat pizza, I take the cheese off of it because I don't like 
the Do you at least eat the cheese separately? No. It I love cheese, but it's just on pizza, it just tastes like a little bit rubbery. So she wants the student pizza. Yeah, I do she want does. that right. pizza. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, we'll, we'll check out the Carlos at some point. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was say, and then the one I grew up on was uh, Wally's, which is a uh, Cambridge and Byesville. Um, yeah, no, you you'd be all for the medium rare cheese then. Yeah, it still maintains enough of the original cheese's character. So that's like the pizza that was made for me that I've been waiting for that I never had here. We'll see, here, yeah. all this time I thought I didn't love pizza, but maybe yeah, I just so haven't go, had the next right time you're in Hilliard, go to the uh, Sunoco station. Next time <laughs> I'm in Hilliard, that's the part I love. I do love that it's like it shares a building with a gas station, like. Yeah. Wait, so this segment is what? Like, does everyone talk about something that we heard in the podcast or just a hot take on life? A hot take or... on life, yeah. And, now, granted, I, I want it to be something, like, more innocent. Like, food-related ones are good. Um, I think Evan's was that the, uh, the uh, big boy, buddy boy sandwich is better than the Big Mac. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Do you have a hot yesterday's, take? Yes, or yesterday's really threw me through a loop because it was a sports-related one. I'm not a big sports guy. Um, but it was that the New York Jets uh, were a better franchise than the Bengals and the Browns combined. Oh wow! Which I'm, I, I'm, my dad's from Pittsburgh. I spent a lot of time there growing up, so like I, I'm a Pittsburgh sports guy. I also just love saying it in Ohio because it pisses people off a lot. Yeah, it does. It they, does. Oh, oh yeah, wow! Yeah, um, but I really don't like the Bengals. The Browns. I want. I want the Browns to do so well. Because it's it's not a fun rivalry. So anyway, like I had a really hard time justifying that one, even though I'm not a big Jets guy either. Um, but no, so like, yeah, I, I don't want anyone to be in like hot take and like you know spouting off some like really controversial topic. Yeah, no, no, I didn't think and I'm so. Like, ah, maybe that's a different. So podcast. maybe like warm takes. Yeah. Do you have any warm takes, Nick? Yeah. Grits is bread. <laughs> <laughs> Grits, grits is bread. Grits is a kind of bread. Grits are not a bunch of pieces of cornmeal that you have you, you, you constituted into a puddle of individual grits on your plate. The heat has caused the, it, it, it's actually causing the glutens to form a structure in there. Such that if you were to let it get, have you ever had had grits on your plate that were cooked and then you let them get cold? Uh huh. You could just pick up the grits. It's just a puck. It's a fucking biscuit. It's animal cement. Because animal cement. Because it's a bread. It's fucking (laughs) bread. It's grits is a kind of cornbread. Grits is bread. Grits is bread. Grits is bread. You heard it here. Yeah, that's. Because then the idea is I'm also supposed to devil's advocate, even if I believe it and adjust my views to at least offer up an argument. Um, so... Grits is not bread. <laughs> yeah, grits is not bread because it's grits. Like, <laughs> it's, uh... I, I was, like... <laughs> corn biscuit, man. Yeah. Bread. Cor- um, yeah, that one... See, the, 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 cheese, the cheese one, though... Yeah, uh, I say I'm I'm loving it. I'm I get I, I'm getting blindsided here. See, I, and I'm not a big grits fan myself. Um, I'm not a, I'm not even a huge grits guy, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've like, never had grits. There, I mean, that's 
Like, I've seen them though. I get what you're. Grits is grits is such an essentially American thing too. For sure. Uh, that like they barely like the idea of it doesn't exist like outside of America. I I, I think even Canada like it's a new thing there. Yeah. Um, is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I, I only really like grits with like shrimp, uh, shrimp and grits, uh, and if they're done really well. But uh, oh, I thought grits was like a breakfast thing. It is. It is. Oh. Yeah, it's. Uh, the, the lawless South decided, you know what, let's put seafood on this uh, li- liquid cornbread. I've not tried grits with shrimp and cheese yet, but apparently that's like it is, it the, is good. the elevated the, version of it. It is good, yes. Because uh, I don't like I don't like grits with almost anything else. Because like, th- like my mom, she puts brown sugar on them. She like sweetens them. And then I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, I like my oatmeal that way. Yeah. And I've had... Uh, I've actually fucked with a teff porridge a couple of times, which uh-huh. is like it's like Ethiopian grain. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Malta, uh, uh, let me know about a teff, and it's 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 a lot like it's different, but it's it's similar, and it's uh, it's good as hell. Yeah, but I like doing like like sweet and creamy mixes with those, but grits don't really take to that well. Grits is something different. Yeah. Um... But my, I guess just my argument would be, um, like, because a, a real hot take would be even saying, like, cornbread technically shouldn't even be considered cornbread. It, cornbread in itself is just a corn muffin, sometimes in loaf form. Mm. So then to really deconstruct it, then that means that grits is um, corn. liquid corn muffin. I mean, we don't talk about this enough, but cake is just a kind of bread. Yes, I mean, it, it people it's flour that you've mixed with liquid yeah. and then baked into a into a, a a soft solid. Yeah, people don't people don't like hearing this, but like, what is pizza in its essence? It's just good bread with stuff on top. Yeah, it's like and muffins and cupcakes are the same thing. With one has frosting. Everything good in life comes from yeast farts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Every every single good thing. Bread, beer, oh, wow. cheese. Yep. Yeah, beer. I saw recently it was Kyle's Dowdy status and or something on Facebook that he had written, and it was like beer is like liquid bread, or someone had said that beer is like liquid yeah. bread. Yeah. Uh, Essentially, because like, when is. when Buddhist monks would fast, like their their one loophole, their caveat was they would drink beer. Really. Uh, which is also why there's a big rich tradition tradition of. Uh, Buddhist monk like breweries. There's yeah. the, the whole realm of craft beer of like Trappist Trappist brewed ales. Uh, it it comes from uh, and there's a very rigid guidelines to uh, what a, a beer that can be considered Trappist because like it has to like maintain like certain purity like a lot of like European uh, purity law of brewing uh, which is completely ignored by America because we're too good for everything. Uh, like the, the European uh, it sounds law like brewing. it's something that's vi- like vile racism kind of yes British <laughs> purity laws yeah well, no it, it's it, it's not talking about people it's talking about beer it's talking about beer is hops uh, malted barley water and yeast and like and it's not supposed to be anything about that if you get any form of like fruity esters and arrows and all that it's from the yeast itself. The yeast is the only thing that's supposed to basically impart 
any different kind of flavor, whether it be the strains and all that. Um, I should I should have done a craft beer podcast. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, it sounds like you know a lot about it. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to when I have like brewers on here. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, to be able to talk about that. But yeah, no, like so, yeah, Buddhist monks, uh, they brew beer, and like they were firm believers of the liquid bread thing. That was their way of fasting, eating. But yeah, you guys, can we end on a? I would love to hear the peak and pit of your guys's COVID so social isolation. The peak, uh, um, the greatest part about it, and then the worst part about it. Uh, the greatest part about being isolated from everybody is the fact that it's all I've ever known is isolation from people. Like nobody reaching out to hang out. Like so, like when they were like, "All right, you have to stay inside and not interact with anybody." I'm like, uh, "Cool." I was an only child that made eat sad music in my basement. Like I have prepared for this my whole life. So. So no, that for that it was all right. Also, I had a really fun. I made a fun game for myself. It was because uh, I took the last time I was on vacation was the first week that the lock the the shutdown and lockdown. But yeah, so because I had such high hopes for it, I was gonna go do gigs, you know, all over like you know Ohio area, Greater Ohio area, and then it's like oh now I'm just gonna sit on my couch and replay Spyro and Assassin's Creed, but. Um, so uh, my my fun game that I made to get myself through the first week of the quarantine was, uh, it, it's a length, it's a mouthful of a title, but it's how long could I shower before I made myself physically repulsed and ill? Uh, the answer was four days, four days of showering, and I took a whiff of myself and I accidentally lifted my arm, and like I like threw up a, a small amount in my mouth. Yeesh. So then that was that, and it was exciting. That's the worst part. That's how sad it was. It, like <laughs> it was exhilarating that I finally achieved my goal. Um, so four days, yeah. Yikes. Like you showered too much? No, no, I didn't shower that the whole time. I went on a shower strike until oh. I could like make myself uh, I physically you meant... unable to take it. So how long could you go without showering? Is what you did? Yeah. So my record now is four days. You oh, said wow. this recently. Yeah, this was uh, March. Is that okay. what that smell is? I'm about to say, wait, wait till it's hot yeah. and see if you can hit that four-day mark again. No. No, probably not. And, and that, that's, that's the sad thing, too. It was four days of absolutely sedentary lifestyle. Like, it was me laying on that couch. It was during March before or after we had to do a sedentary lifestyle? It, it, it was the first week of the... Okay, yeah, yeah. So, okay, that was it. And then, low point. Um, oh, that wasn't your low point. <laughs> That's the podcast, folks. Oh, man. Thanks for having us. I, if I had a nickel for every single time somebody has said that to me, amazing. Oh man, I, I can't wait to write my own biography, and then I'll I'll start a chapter <laughs> that literally is like, all right, this is the low point, like. <laughs> Everything else you read was just me clearing my throat. This is the, <laughs> this is the real nitty gritty. This is, uh, so yeah. How have you been ending them? Just saying goodbye. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we would. This is the first one that we've had anything after the uh, spill the tea, oh, hot shoot. tea segment. 
Well, it's, I'm trusting. I'm totally fine with it. Um, and then I would just plug the peoples. But also, I mean, Nick, if you have an answer for the question. Oh yeah. Uh, my peak Duh. is uh, learning brioche. I've been I've been mastering brioche, and I've been getting real damn good at it. And it's been uh, like like hamburger and hot dog buns now are. are I, I'm I'm at a point now that like going to a restaurant or going to a store or like even going to a bakery and getting a bun for a burger or a hot dog is like a, just a downgrade from what I can make out of my kitchen right. simply because of wow. the fact that I can have it just absolutely fresh. Yeah. And it's it's oh, you it, and I need to open a bakery called Yeasty Boys. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah. Do it, man. You handle all like the like the the spreadsheet, the like the, the the you do all the stuff like the work parts that aren't baking. Okay. I'll do the I'll do the work parts that are baking. Okay, okay. Um, and then the uh, the 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 low point of my uh, COVID nineteen was when the president and the police went to war with us, and then and then yeah. just stayed at war with us for a month, and now uh, and we're at we're yeah, it's uh, there's I mean. It, there's no end in sight. Yeah. It's just that we're 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 at war with the people who have all the guns now. Yeah, I'll say that. I mean, because up until then, I I loved when the the low point was puddle of mud covering Nirvana. Like I love that that was like the worst part of coming <laughs> here. But yeah. Oh man. So yeah, what what is your highs and lows? <clears throat> well. Listening to Stephen Hawking's memory from my my computer. <laughs> he lives through cyberspace. It's actually ten thirty. He's just very nostalgic for nine o'clock. <laughs> um, my high would probably be um. Well, I got to do a lot of. There was no, like, FOMO, right? Like, fear of missing out. Like, there was no, like, oh, my goodness, what's everyone doing? I didn't have to, like, no. I, no. You know, it was just, there was no feeling of, like, pressure of, like, no, yeah. I have to go out and do stuff. It was cool to just kind of, you know, take a little break and get to, like, know myself. Like, I got to, like, do a lot of, like, inward thinking and figure things out. So that was well, cool. Well, inward, right? Inward, not. Oh, yeah. What the fuck just happened? Oh, my God. <laughs> When you said it, you said, <laughs> he just like God. You said inward. Yeah. He went crazy. <laughs> I was just clarifying that you said inward. Thinking. God damn it! I'm trying to not get canceled. Like I'm enjoying it. Wasn't it wasn't a thing. Just, just let her say inward then, man. <laughs> I can't did, look at it. I did a lot of internal thinking. There we go. I went there inside we of myself. Now it's just sexy. Now, <laughs> right? Yeah. How many um, times a day? No. <laughs> well, to be no. Um, <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, the sad thing would be probably the fact that well, two things. A lot of really big holidays happened during the last three months, and I wasn't able to be with my family. Yeah. That was sad. Also, um, I was supposed to be going on the road for comedy. I was supposed to be doing some shows all around yeah. the country, and I wasn't able to do any of that. So that was sad, but Boo. there's always yeah. more months to come, and that's okay. But, yeah. Dustin, thank you so much for having us. Well, this was I'm amazing. So, I'm so happy to have had you guys, uh, literally two of my favorite people that I've met in my comedy journey. Yeah. 
fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, that, that's, oh, my, okay. that's my favorite letter of fuck. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, anyway, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. But anyway, thank you for listening. Again, Nick Glasser. Uh, Nick, how, where, where can we find you on social media? How can we support you? Uh, just go out there and Google me. I'm all over the place. Uh, check out the actual Wolves. Check out uh, New Metal Who Dis. Uh, just, I mean, just, just go out and don't go out. <laughs> stay home. Stay home and support me. But I mean, just, yeah, I mean, yeah, just uh, care about laughter. Care about about making people laugh, and you have supported me. Yeah, and also. Uh, I'll plug I'll plug Nick more. Uh, follow him on Instagram to see <laughs> the lovely creations that do come out of his kitchen. Uh, Olas Devourer of Carbs. That's uh, it. Yes, and uh, no, he he has been putting up some damn good looking bread. I, I've been off. I've been taking an uh, Instagram uh, off time, and I'll, I'll, I'll be back to it at some point. Though Olas Devourer of Carbs is where you'll find me when I'm there. I say, hopefully, his baking rises to the occasion. <laughs> Sorry, I, I I love baking jokes. They're bred into me. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're they're in bread. In yeah. bread. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in bread. Yeah. The, 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 it's like it's like yeast. It's in, it's in bread. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, enough of me loafing around. Uh, Shana, how can we support you? <laughs> um. Well, you can find me by my name, but it's not probably easy to spell. You don't need to sit here and spell be, my whole name in the description. The, yeah. yeah, and I do have a special comedy page. Only secret fans. Only not secret. I'm so sorry. Only fans. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way to plug the only fans. Get that no. one out there. Except for unless you're. Never mind. Okay. I might put that in the description too. Make it easy for everybody. <laughs> um. Cool. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for having. Thank you, Dustin. And yes, yes, and uh, again. Go ahead and uh, I have a Facebook page for Phenomenal People with Destin Richardson. Uh, follow that. Uh, I'll be posting new material every Tuesday. Uh, as you probably have already guessed, you can find this on Anchor FM. Uh, this is also available on Spotify and Pocket Cast. Uh, like I said, every Tuesday we're putting out phenomenal content. And stay tuned uh, next week. We will be having Dread Engine, a uh, full band. They'll be happy to talk about their new upcoming album, uh, Parabellum. And we'll be happy to have uh, the, the four boys in for that. So stay tuned. Once again, uh, support, support comedy any way you can, uh, whether it just be social media or going to a show. But anyway, that's our time. Thank you for listening to Phenomenal People. And as always, stay phenomenal. Pe- Train by people. day.